excited for the word. Pastor Mike is sharing the word this morning. I want to, if you pinch your arm, your flesh, right? And you can receive the word this morning through your flesh. But you have a spirit man that's hungry. So activate your spirit this morning and say, wake up. Activate your spirit this morning and say, listen up. We're doing something here. We're gaining knowledge. We're, we're focusing in on Jesus. We're not going to get distracted. Our flesh isn't going to rule us this morning. It's super easy for your flesh to start thinking about McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, all the different things you could be doing. But the, to, to, today, today, this morning, God is here meeting you. Let nothing else take your focus. It's about Jesus this morning. Amen. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to encourage you. So your spirit needs to be ready and charged up. So put your hand on your heart. We thank you, God, for your word this morning that's alive. That we're here to meet with you, Jesus. We ask that you would speak to us. That you would cause our focus to shift. That you would change us. That you would do amazing things in, a, in this hour. We thank you, God, for meeting with us. Let our spirit be so awake to what you're doing, God. We want to know what you're doing this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning. Hallelujah. I want to take some time this morning to share some instruction from the Apostle Paul. I want, to, I, want to, I want us to imagine, if we can, that we're a church, a suburb of Colossae. Can you get that in your mind? We're an outpost on the edge of the city, Walworthy. Yeah. And we're called the Lighthouse. And we're so excited this morning... Because yesterday, the church received a letter from the Apostle Paul. Amen. And in this letter, he's reported that he's teaching us and he's revealing to us deep truths of the gospel. As well as instructing us how to live every day in Christ Jesus. I'm thrilled to be here today. I'm thrilled that you're here today. To get to hear Paul's message to us for the first time. Amen. Imagine that I'm unrolling a scroll, and I'm finding in it Paul's own words. I'm I'm actually scrolling through the words this way, so it's kind of like a scroll. In fact, Paul said when he wrote this, he said, I, Paul, write this with my own handwriting. He penned these words for us. And I don't want the things that I'm sharing with you today to be simply theological ideas. I want it to be a living, everyday practice where your lifestyles reflect the centrality and the supremacy of Christ in every area of our lives, from our work relationships to our family relationships to our marriage relationships to every area should reflect the Lordship of Jesus. Amen? I want you to be clear that the central message of Paul's letter is the Lordship of Christ. He is Lord because he is God. And because his word is the final word in our lives. Amen. 
And so when you're in this letter, you'll see Christ is all-encompassing. There's no aspect of reality, past, present, or future, that he does not touch or transform with his self-giving and death-defying reign. And maybe uh, the title of the message is Colossians, therefore, because there's one little phrase, and it's, the, and it's therefore, what it is. So therefore, it's in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 5, and it starts therefore. And it's saying, therefore, in light of everything I've said in chapters 1 and 2, then live this way. So that's really kind of the key verse. Well, listen, listen to the words of Paul as he speaks to us. Dear friends in Colossae and Walworthy, my name is Paul, and I have been chosen by Jesus Christ to be his apostle by the calling and destined purpose of God. My colleague Timothy and I send this letter to you today. I send it to all the holy believers who have been unified with Jesus as beloved followers of the Messiah. May God, our true Father, release upon your lives the riches of his kind favor and heavenly peace through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Wow. Just soak that in. God wants to release on your lives the riches of his kind favor and heavenly peace. Just wrap that around you for a minute. Let him saturate you with his kindness. The Holy Spirit puts so much in every verse. It's just amazing what he can do. In verse 3 it says, Every time we pray for you, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your devoted lives of faith in Christ Jesus and your tender love toward all his holy believers. Your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. I like that. All the treasures of my inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. Wow. That's good. For the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the first day you heard of our glorious hope. Now that you have believed in the truth of the gospel, every day is it's just as powerful every single day. It doesn't get old. Verse 6, it says, This is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere and is powerfully changing hearts through the earth, just like it changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life. They experience the reality of God's grace. Our beloved co-worker, Epaphras and Michael, was there from the beginning to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelation of the gospel. And he serves you faithfully as Christ's representative. He's informed us of the many wonderful ways in which love is demonstrated through your lives by the power, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Since we first heard about you, we've always kept you in our prayers. Paul says he's praying that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. He is praying for us, and his prayer is effective. It might have been 2,000 years ago, but it's effective today. 
We pray that you would walk in the true way, in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in everything you do. Then you become fruit-bearing branches, yielded to his life, maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. Most of you want to bear good fruit, right? We want to have a life that is spiritually productive. But the problem is, so many Christians just hear about God. And they hear about, they carry his book around, they hear about the things he's doing, but they don't really get to know him. They don't really experience him. Don't just visit God for a couple hours on Sunday morning. Talk to him all the time. And while you're walking and while you're driving, be with him. Whether you, it says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, be with him. Stay plugged in. That's the idea. Stay plugged in. You don't need a microwave experience with God. You need a crockpot experience with God. Right? Simmer in his presence. Just soak up his presence. Allow it to impact your life. And when it does, it will impact the lives of others around you. Then verse 11 says, And we pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power in the realm of of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. There's a verse for you. You would be energized with all his explosive power. Wow. Paul is saying, that's my prayer for you, Lighthouse Church. Let that simmer in your spirit for a minute. Verses 12 through 24, it's probably one of the greatest passages of Scripture ever written. And its importance can't be over overstressed, not understressed, overstressed. And it's a passage that reveals the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've, I've been reading the book of Colossians and listening to the book of Colossians for um, probably four or five months. And it just every time I read it, it just so overwhelms me with his power, with his might. He is supreme above all, both in his person and in his work. Who he is and what he has done for man can never be matched. That is the purpose of this great passage. A passage that covers so much in these 12 brief verses. To show the world who Jesus is and what he has done. It's incredible. God has, in the first couple verses, he's done three great things for us. The depth of what God has done will erupt in your lives. We're good. We will never be the same. The first thing it says, he has given us an inheritance. The second thing is, he's delivered us from the, from the, the domain of darkness. And he has redeemed us. He's forgiven our sins. Verse 12, it says, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive this glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Wow. God has given believers an inheritance. What is the inheritance? Scripture describes that, I think, in 10 ways. In Titus, it says we're heirs of eternal life. 
In Hebrews it says we're heirs of salvation. It says we're heirs of the promise made to Abraham in Galatians. We're heirs of glory in Romans. We're heirs of righteousness in Hebrews 11. We're heirs of the grace of life in 1 Peter. We're heirs of God's very own special favor. Heirs that shall stir the praise of his glory in Ephesians. We're heirs of the reward of the inheritance and all that it includes in Colossians. We're heirs of the eternal inheritance in Hebrews. We're heirs of an immortal, perfected body that shall be given to us when Christ returns, it says in Corinthians. In verse 13 it says, He rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Think about that. We were totally captivated, totally imprisoned in darkness. Think back in your past life to that time before you knew Christ. You didn't know you were in darkness, but you were. The darkness was so dark that you couldn't tell there was light. You were imprisoned in that tyrannical rule of darkness. It's not just talking about it being dark. It's talking about a rulership of darkness from the prince of darkness. He held us captive. And it says in this verse, he rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And more than that, it says he translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. He took us out of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom. He brought us into the kingdom of light. He brought us into the kingdom of Jesus. Incredible. Incredible to think. I was in darkness and now I am in light. And I am not under the realm of darkness any longer. Verse 14 says, For in the Son all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Wow. We were under the rule of the devil, but Jesus Christ provided redemption for us. A slave in the, in the ancient world, a slave could be redeemed if a price was paid for his freedom. Jesus paid that price for us. And we can be free in him. And if you don't know that freedom today, you can. You can. He has granted us the forgiveness of sins, transferring us into his glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. In verse 15 it says, Christ is the invisible portrait, the image, the true likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn heir of all creation. That's who Jesus is. The word image means a perfect replica. That Christ is the firstborn of all creation. It doesn't have to do with, with time, but it has to do with rank. It's kind of like being the first lady of the country. She became the first lady not because of time. It wasn't in June or in July or August. It was because she was married to the president. Because of that, she became the first lady. Because of the connection she has to the one in charge. And by your connection to Jesus, who is first, the firstborn of all creation, he, and he has inherited the right to rule. God has appointed him to be heir of all things. He is the rightful king of the kingdom, and you are connected to him. Verse 16 says, For in him, that's in Jesus, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen, all that is unseen. Every seat of power, every realm of government, 
principality, authority. It all exists through him and for his purpose. Everything, everywhere, from the beginning to the end, was created for him, by him, and for his purpose. Verse 17, he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, he is the head of the body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning, the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. 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 Verse 19, for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. The second person of the Trinity took on human form, but he is fully God and fully man. And every attribute of God is manifested in Jesus. Verse 20 says, And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and everything on earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Wow. Wow. If you place your faith in Christ, you have a bank statement of righteousness. It's reconciled by Jesus. And you have perfect righteousness because you received it from him. Verse 21 says, Even when you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He reconnected you. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God. He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Wow. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news that I preach all over the world. I can even celebrate the sorrows I've experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in difficulties, it helps you discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. For your body, for his body, the church. Then the next little section is so powerful. It says, this is the very reason, not this the last verse of this section. This is the very reason that I have been made a minister by the authority of God. As a servant to his body. So that his de- detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. There is a divine mystery. A secret surprise that's been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes the heavenly treasure chest of hope. Filled with the riches of his glory for his people. 
And God wants everyone to know. He is our hope of glory. And he indwells every believer so that we increasingly reflect his character and his conduct and his attitudes and his actions as we use God's word to deal with life. I have a, a little bitty video that just is fun. I thought you'd like to watch it. Turn the sound up. There's a, a mute button on the video. Let me explain what that is. That's um, life management. And by following Read a lot it. of those things, you can be managed to a better life for a while. Some of you know what Ooh. Have you ever noticed all these things out there that tell you five ways to do this, ten ways to do that, eight ways to do that? Let me explain what that is. That's um, life management. And by following a lot of those things, you can be managed to a better life for a while. Some of you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have tried every diet under the sun? <laughs> and it worked for a while. Then you went back because that was managing exterior to the interior. But he says the secret of this maturity is Christ in you. I told you once before, popcorn pops because every kernel of popcorn is full of moisture. When you put it in the microwave, the moisture becomes steam. Steam rises. When the steam rises, it presses against the shell. When the shell can't handle it anymore, you hear pop, 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 pop. You hear all this popping going on. Why? Because what's on the inside has gotten so hot, it expands the inside so the outside can't take it anymore. And when the outside can't take it anymore, you hear pop, 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 pop. Where the outside is giving way to the expansion of the inside. What God is expecting is to see pop, 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 popping going on as our inside gives way and overrules the outside. And no longer does the flesh control us because there has been the expansion of the living Christ within us. That was fun, huh? Verse 28, it says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and to bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of his being perfect, of his being the perfect one in Jesus Christ. Wow. Chapter 2, I like this chapter. Because I wish I could know, you could know how much I struggle for you in the church of Laodicea and for many other friends I have yet to meet. I'm contending for you that your hearts be wrapped in the comfort of heaven. And woven together into love's fabric, this will give you access to all the riches of God's riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, that is Christ. For our spiritual wealth is in Him, like a hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. Hmm. Christ. He is found as the secret to wisdom and truth. He is the person who gives us 
the knowledge and know him. In verse 4 it says, I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and their clever words. Paul's concern for the Colossians and his concern for us is that we would, we would not look here and look there. We would not take the supposedly secret insider information that some people try to bring because lies can be reasonable but they're still lies. Amen? The word has to be our standard. It has to be the standard for discerning truth from error. Only a full understanding of Christ can keep us as believers from being deceived by by these arguments. In verse 5 it says, Even though I'm separated from you geographically, my spirit is present with you. I'm overjoyed to see how deeply disciplined, how deep, how disciplined and deeply committed you are because you have a solid faith in Christ the Anointed One. Verse 6. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue in your journey of faith. Paul is challenging us to continue in our journey, progressing even further into our union with Him. Verse 7. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. You are established in the faith that you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. It's like being a mighty tree, remaining rooted in Jesus, having our roots going deep into him. That's where we find protection. Verse 8 says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate in humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of the world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of of God living in human form. And our own completeness, personal, our own personal completeness is found in Him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Jesus as the second person of the Trinity He possessed the entire fullness of the kingdom of God and of God's nature. But he also became a man. Because God and the Father intended that man would rule over the kingdom of the earth and defeat Satan. And through his sinless life, Jesus did that. He defeated Satan's legal authority and he overcame him. Verse 11 says, through, a union, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. It's now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we have been buried with him into his death, and our baptism 
uh, into death also means we are raised with him when we believe in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. This is going back to chapter 1, verse 13. We were freed from the tyrannical rule of the realm of death. As this realm of death describes our former state, we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death. Never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. So many times through the book of Colossians and other books, Paul talks about being with him, being by him, being in him. Paul's expressing a great truth to us of our union with Christ. By faith we're united with him in an inseparable way. It's kind of like if you pour cream and coffee, stir it up, you just have, you can't separate them anymore. Can you? No. It's like if you watch a replay of yesterday's football game and you know the final score. It's in your team's favor. So you're not surprised when at some point in the game your team falls behind. You don't get upset because you know how the game ends. Right? And the scripture tells us how everything is going to turn out. If you're trusting in Christ, you can have confidence that whatever struggles you face, you know how the story ends. Jesus is already victorious. And you are in union with him. In verse 14, I love this verse. It says, he canceled every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soil, he deleted it all. And it cannot be retrieved. I like that. Cannot be retrieved. Everything that we were once in Adam has been placed into his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancelization. Wow. Hmm. He paid our penalty. He took our guilt and he made us free. In 2 Corinthians it says, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Verse 15 says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness to bring away from them every weapon and all of their spiritual authority and the power to accuse us. And by the power of his cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Amen? Hmm. If somebody had a gun and pointed at you, it'd make a lot of difference whether you knew there were bullets in it or not, wouldn't it? The devil doesn't want you to know that his gun was emptied at the cross. He may point it at you, and it may look frightening, but there's no bullets. All of his power was taken away. But if you don't know that, you kind of tend to live in fear and, and shame. But you don't have to listen to him. 
You are free to live for God. Satan has no power. He no longer possesses the final authority in history. It says in verse 16, So why would you allow anyone to judge you because of what you eat or drink, insisting on you keep the feast, observe the new moon's celebration, or the Sabbath? And he goes on through this next few verses to say, you don't have to be bound any longer. You're free. You don't have to keep rules and regulations. You don't have to let anyone disqualify you from the prize, he says. In verse 19 it says, They refuse to take hold of the true source, but we receive directly from him. For his life supplies vitality to every part of his body through the joining ligaments connecting us all as one. It's kind of like what Dave said with the rope. If you're just a single thread, it's not too much, is it? But you get in that rope. Pretty strong. Pretty strong indeed. He is the divine head who guides his body and causes it to grow by the supernatural power of God. For you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him to the religious system and the powers of the world. So don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. And he goes on and, and explains that you don't need to be bound by all of those things. You're free. Chapter 3, he says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is why you yearn for all that is above. For it's where Christ sits enthroned. It's where he sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. You have to be tuned to heaven. It's there that we receive all that we need for daily living. If you take a good look at heaven, the perspective you have on every issue will change. In verse 2 it says, Yes, the feast, feast in all the treasures of heaven and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Verse 3 says, Your crucifixion with Christ has severed your tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. As he himself has seen, is seen for who he really is, you, who you really are, will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in glory. You have to take a new identity. Paul reminds us, you died. Your old life has no more power over you. And second, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is not merely to be your life. He is the total sum of your life. And then he says the phrase that's the key in this passage. Therefore, therefore. So don't live according, don't live, don't live in anger and all those kinds of things. He lists there. This is where we called into action, where we embrace the work of Christ in us. It, 
And he's going to share about putting on and putting off. Putting off, putting off all of those actions, all of those um, things that are connected to the old life. And putting on Christ and all of that he gives us. And both of them are not, they, they look like actions that you can do, but you can't. It has to be in him. It has to be your dependence on him. It's just simply saying, simply saying, I put them off in Christ. And I put them on in Jesus. Put to death what belongs to the earthly nature and put on what belongs to the heavenly nature. Because Christ has set you free. Totally free. Totally free. In verse 11 it says, In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity, nor your education, nor your economic status. They matter nothing. For it means that Christ is everything as he lives in every one of us. Verse 12 says, You are always dearly loved of God, so robe yourself with the virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. That's a hard one. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way that you have been forgiven, graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his body. And always be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another. In the Psalms, with festive praises, with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God, the Father, because of what Christ has done for you. You live in Him. You move in Him. You have your being in Him. Mm. I like the first couple verses of Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read those again as we close. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, and not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So therefore, 
Let's stand. Father, we rejoice in you today that you have shown us the one and only exalted Christ. He is so wonderful. So wonderful. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for revealing him to us and in him revealing who we are and what we have. And all of it comes from you. You see us as righteous in him. We bless you and praise you and thank you. Father, take the word that we read today.